Now, follow me closely this morning. We're in school this morning. We're not preaching this morning. We're in school this morning, okay? So follow me close with your notebook and your devices because I'm going to take you through a bunch of stuff. But now, this is John 16, 7. I am going away to the one who sent me. I'm going away. Jesus is going back to be in heaven with the Father from whence he came to be on earth to do what he had to do to make that atoning sacrifice for mankind and that job's been done and now he's going back and he says so now i'm going away to the one who sent me and not one of you <laughs> is asking where i'm going instead you grieve this is a little bit of a complaint it's almost like guys y'all are missing it i came here for a purpose that purpose is accomplished. And I'm telling you that I'm going back so that that thing can be activated. And not one of you asking where I'm going. You're concerned and you're grieving for me. You're not getting it. You're not getting it. This is what he's saying. Instead, you grieve because of what I told you. I told you what was going to happen. You grieve. He said, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't the advocate who's the advocate the Holy, the Holy Spirit if I don't the Holy Spirit won't come if I do go away then I will send him to you and when he comes get this part he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. One of the clearest ways to self-test on whether you have the power and presence of the indwelling Holy Spirit and its full functionality in your life is that he will convict you. Woo! That is so powerful. <laughs> It'll catch up to you. It'll catch up to you. It'll catch up to you. If the Holy Spirit doesn't convict you if there are no convictions in you about what you're doing there is a definite signal that there isn't a fully activated presence of the power of God's Spirit inside of you because he says one of the express purposes of my coming to establish the kingdom of God in you is that I will bring conviction in other words when you're doing something wrong you're gonna kind of go like <clears throat> straighten up fly right if you could act with impunity if you could act without any form of reservations in all of your activities and whatever you're doing and nothing restrains you there is a silent Holy Spirit there he's gagged he's muted <laughs> you put duct tape on his mouth are you hearing me this morning one of the reasons that we could do what we do without conviction is because there is a preconceived, established sense of telling the Holy Spirit, not now. <laughs> not now. He brings conviction, but you overpower him with what you want to do, and you're not listening to that conviction, and you're not saying, get lost or get out of my life, or I don't want you to just simply say something like, oh, not now. <laughs> It's only five minutes, or just not now. He will convict you. The Holy Spirit will convict you of sin and unrighteousness and wrongdoings. And if that is not active in your life, it is a definite sign that the kingdom of God is not fully operational in your life. Now let me go back to where I'm supposed to be back in my message on you need to pray. Let me break this down for you and show you how it works. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 6 verses 9 through 13. Matthew chapter 6 verses 9 through 13. And I, I need to explain a little something here. I skipped a couple of the installments 
I have seven parts in this series. And so for a couple of weeks, the Lord took us in a different direction. And so where I'm starting from today was where I should have preached last week. So if it sounds a little bit, thing, I don't, if I don't go on, then I'll be here for the next 10 weeks. Just so you follow what I'm saying? So I'm picking up in six, even though I didn't give you five and I think four because we went in a different direction following the move of the Holy Spirit. So I'm picking up instead of going back. So in Matthew chapter 6 verses 9 through 13, it says this, after this manner, somebody say after this manner. Okay, so in other words, after this manner simply means this is a template. Woo, this is so good. <laughs> after this manner, that means this is a template. I'm giving you a template. I'm not saying that you liturgically and religiously recite this thing every day in true format. He's saying this is a template on how I want you to pray. This is a guideline. This is the bullet point for a speech that you're about to make. This is how I want you to pray when you pray. Consider these factors when you're praying. These should be the elements of a complete and thorough prayer. And he says it here. After this matter, matter, therefore pray ye. So this is the template. And how do I say it? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Or simply put, our Father, which art in heaven, holy is your name that's what hallowed me holy is your name first 10 remember this is a template and the first thing i want you to do in the template is to understand that i am your father and my name is holy when you come into my presence be respectful be worshipful. You know, maybe I'm old-fashioned, but there's some things that I see some of these uh, modern-day uh, <laughs> culture warriors, for lack of a better term, in evangelistic service, doing to identify with a modern culture. And maybe it works. I don't know, so forgive me. Give me some latitude. But it rubs me the wrong way. Because I see guys praying in large circles and great big auditoriums and stuff and they pre preaching to hundreds of people and they're trying to be so cool about what they're doing to attract a, a, a generation that is maybe or has dumb it down i i don't know but they, they start off with stuff like yo pops yo pops that bothers me you haven't heard that yeah i'm sure you've heard that your dad, your dad, your pops. You haven't heard? Oh, yeah. They're being so cool about it. I'm like, look, I understand you need to reach across cultural lines, but your pops don't work for me. Don't work for me. My father, Father God, Heavenly Father, our Father, your pops don't cut it for me. That's what Josiah calls me when he wants money. <laughs> Yo, pops. <laughs> and that's cool. That's cool. Because I ain't God. And we have that kind of relationship. But please, spare me the abuse on my sensitivities by referring to God as Yo, pops. I can't do your pops. <laughs> Sorry. I can't do it. This is the manner. This is the template in which you follow our Father who art in heaven. Holy is your what? Your pops ain't holy. I'm sorry. Yo, big man upstairs. I'm sure you heard that one. Come on, where y'all been? The man upstairs, man upstairs. No. Holy is your name. Your name is not your pops or the big man upstairs or heavenly 
Father. Dear God. Are you with me? This is the man. For verse 10 he says, you know, I could preach this whole message right there, not go on to my message. I'll try to see what I get through it. <laughs> Thy kingdom come. So in the manner that I'm supposed to pray, as a template for the construction of an effective prayer, one of the first things I must do is address the name of my father with holy reverence. My heavenly father, our father who art in heaven. The second thing I should do is establish, I want your kingdom to come. I know you've, those of you who've been familiar with me over the years could remember there were times when I would just get into this effusive kingdom of God come. Kingdom of God, remember that? That was with purpose. Above and beyond everything else that I want, this is what I want first. I don't want my will. I don't want my kingdom. I want the kingdom of God. I am following after this manner. This is the template. And the template says, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. As it is in heaven. If you want to establish the environment of heaven in your prayer life, this is how you go about it. He says, this is the manner. After this manner, pray you. So that you establish the environment and the atmosphere. Oh my goodness, this is so good. <laughs> really, it is. If you want to establish the environment of heaven, declare he's your father. Ask for his kingdom to come. Ask for his will to be done. Just like it is taking place in heaven. Oh, you didn't get that, did you? <laughs> if you want to see heaven manifest on earth, follow after this manner and do this specific thing like I am showing you to do and heaven will be recreated in your life. By first seeking the kingdom of God, then seeking his will, just as it is in heaven. And then he says, once we establish these sorts of things, maybe we can go on to something else. And I'll, I'll deal with that a little bit later. He says, give us this day our daily bread. That's important. He didn't ask for tomorrow's bread. This is not the man I want you to pray for. I'm not asking you to pray for tomorrow's bread. He says, sufficient unto today is the evil thereof. I want bread for today. Tomorrow, I will worry about tomorrow. Because when we look at God uh, in the early church, well, before Jesus Christ, even way back when he gave manna from heaven and, and fed them, uh, there was a particular process. We read that in Exodus back in the Genesis. Um, in that manna fell from heaven, Every day there was a supply for that day, right? And then on the day before the Sabbath, there was two days supply that fell. Woo! God knows your tomorrow. God knows your dry season. God knows when there's going to be a spell of time when you will have need and there would be seemingly some scarcity. So in the Old Testament, understanding the Jewish law and the tradition and how he provided for his people, that day which was sacrosanct and holy, which was the Sabbath, and you weren't supposed to work and do all kinds of stuff, God knew there would be some maybe hungry people or time of, of, of scarcity or hardship. So what did he do just preceding the time that would uh, usher in a hard period? He gave two days supply. Oh God, that is so good. That is so good. He gave two days supply. So just before that period approached them, God was taking stock of the days of the week. <laughs> God was keeping track of the days of the week. 
and he was providing each day's manna for each day. And since he was keeping track, Israel didn't have to keep track. They know the Sabbath was coming, whether they forgot it or not. And how did they know? On that day, the eve of that day, two days supply fell. Oh my goodness. You all ought to be jumping and screaming here. God keeps track of your dry season. God keeps track of when you are going to be in need and in want. And God creates an avenue and a method and a means to provide for you in that hard time. Give us this day our daily bread give me what i need today lord and in my season when i would need more i trust you to supply a couple days ahead of time to get me through linda to carry me through to take me through he sees my need he understands but all this is made so real and so perfect if the first principle is established and that is the kingdom of God is in you. The kingdom of God which is the Holy Spirit when he is in you He has your eating habits in mind. <laughs> he has your feeding plan in mind. When the kingdom of God, I don't know how else to, to tell you this, but there's something about the Holy Spirit that is a monitoring system in which there are checks and balances. One, he checks you by convicting you. The other is he checks in with the Father for you. Oh, come on, yeah. Come on, come on, come on, all. He checks in with the Father on your behalf. So there's nothing creeping up on you <laughs> that he ain't aware of. There's nothing creeping up on you that he ain't aware of. I must move on. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgiveness is a part of the principle of recreating heaven in your earth. Forgive people their debts. Forgive him. And lead us not into temptation. I'll explain that later on if we get to it. But deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. The kingdom, the power, and the glory. Did I read that right? <laughs> Wait, 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 no. Did I read that right? Kingdom of God, come in me. And when the kingdom of God comes in me, then it is mine, right? For thine is the kingdom. The kingdom belongs to me. And in that kingdom, there is power, glory, forevermore. He worketh his work inside of you. All right. So, Romans chapter 14, verse 17. Let us establish some things scripturally as to what the kingdom is. Right? Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. The kingdom of God is not you consuming stuff on yourself. It's not meat and drink. But it is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's what the kingdom is. 
You notice it includes the Holy Ghost. It includes the Holy Ghost. What is the kingdom? The kingdom is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness. Let me give you another word or phrase for righteousness. Righteous means right standing with. That's a simple way to remember righteousness. I am righteous. I am in right standing with God. So if righteousness presents some kind of theological complication for you, just use that phrase to you. Wherever you see that word, that's simply what it's trying to. I'm giving you, in the economy of the English language, the nearest alliteration to the word. Righteousness is right standing with. So the kingdom of God is right standing with God. Righteousness. I'm in right standing. And that's something you would know, I mean, just like that. Am I in right standing with God? And let me tell you how you'll know that. The Holy Spirit would either say, yes, or it will say, <clears throat> <laughs> you follow me? <laughs> if I ask, Lord, am I in right standing with you? I just activated the kingdom of God, which is the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life, to answer a question. <sighs> and the Holy Spirit in me knows my standing because he represents me before God. <laughs> Oh my goodness. He, 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 he's got me clued in and cued in. And so he knows and keeps record of and has my history both recent and way beyond. And he can look in a nanosecond and go like, uh, let me see. Uh, no. Oh, uh, yep, you are. So the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace. Peace is not the absence of turmoil. Peace is not the absence of war. Peace is an undisturbed composure in Christ Jesus. Peace is the world's falling apart, but I am cool. <laughs> All kinds of heck is breaking out on my left and my right, in front of me, behind me, but I'm chilling. Peace is an undisturbed composure. That's what it means. An undisturbed composure. Everything is falling apart. But I'm chilling. Don't you think the Holy Spirit could answer that question right away? Um, am I in right standing with you? <laughs> That's the kingdom of God. And if that kingdom is inside of you, that answer comes just this quick. Yeah, maybe you need to tweak this a little bit. Have you forgiven them? Are you walking in peace? Are you causing strife? Are you stirring up mess? What are you doing? I so want to just go off script. I know, but I've done that for the last couple of weeks. And I'm also on the other hand feeling like I said I'm going to do this series, but I keep going off script. I need to stay. <laughs> I guess it would be an extended series. That's who it would be. So, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, right standing with God. Peace and undisturbed composure in the Holy Ghost. And joy. Oh, that's important too. Joy in the Holy Ghost. I'm enjoying the presence of the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you the difference between joy and what most of us misconstrue for joy. We misconstrue happiness for joy. Happiness and joy are in two different cities. Happiness depends on happenings. That's where the word comes from. The etymological structure of the word. <laughs> Big word just simply means the root meaning of the word. Etymology. The etymological structure of happiness is that it depends on happenings. So if something good happened, I'm happy. And if something bad happens, I'm not happy. But joy, on the other hand, couldn't care less whether something good or bad happens. I am contented. I have joy in the Holy Ghost. Oh, Y'all gonna make me preach this morning, right? <laughs> and just sweat a bucket. <laughs> oh, my goodness. The kingdom of God is the Holy Ghost and the fruit of it. The people in Jesus' day wanted to know when the kingdom of God should come. That's what they were pursuing them. Is this time? He says, I'm going away. 
and I'm gonna send you the Holy Spirit. And like, so what's gonna happen? Are, are you gonna raise up a new governor and uh, there'll be a new city council and, 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 and new Roman Empire ruler? They're looking for something physical in the earth realm. And he's saying, no, you're not paying attention. Haven't you been with me all this time? This, the kingdom of God is the Holy Spirit in you. Every, everything that I am and portrayed and demonstrated before you, I packed it in this neat little explosive container called the Holy Spirit filled with dynamos, dynamite power, and I put it in you. I installed it in you. So when I leave here, you have in you all that the kingdom comprises, all that I am and have been and demonstrated myself to you is now available to you when you let him dwell in you. Come on. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is in you via the Holy Spirit and you access all that Jesus did and can do and futuristically will do because the agent for that manifestation is in you. Yes. The kingdom of God is God's Holy Spirit Amen. in you. Amen. Woo, boy. They thought that they would be able to see it. Listen to what Jesus said. Listen to what Jesus said. In Luke chapter 17, verses 20 through 21. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, he answered and said to them, the kingdom of God cometh not with observations. You're trying to quantify this thing. You're trying to look for specific signs and clues and all kinds of geopolitical stuff or astrological stuff or whatever stuff you get into or even Google, I don't know. He says, this kingdom does not come with that kind of observation. <laughs> you can't detect this stuff using the methods that you know to use and have used. He says, no, 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 no. The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall any say, lo here or lo there. For behold, oh my goodness. Anybody get it yet? <laughs> the last line. For behold, what? The kingdom of God is within you. <laughs> is it starting to form itself? The Holy Spirit is the kingdom of God is within you. The Holy Spirit of God is within you. The Holy Spirit of God is the manifest person of his kingdom inside of you. If nothing else happens today, I pray that you pursue the Holy Spirit presence in your life with vigor. You know what? It'll save a lot of heartache. It'll save you from a lot of mess. If the Holy Spirit could get a hold of you and envelop you and influence you, it'll influence your behavior, it'll influence your attitude, it'll influence your habits. Come on, Sammy, give him a, give him a, give him a praise. Your behavior, your habits, your attitude. He is going to be an active controlling agent and he will speak in your air like the Bible says, this is the way, walk ye in it and ye shall find rest for your souls. That would be the Holy Spirit talking to you. Hmm? So, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you. And that is the Holy Ghost, and he dwells in you. So, we could go back for a brief visit to John chapter 16, verse 7 again. Anybody? Hmm? He says, 
I want to go. I got to leave. But when I leave, I want to leave all of me with you. Now pay attention to what I just said. I want to leave all of me with you. When I go, you're not going to see me again. You've been hooked on the habit of being with me. And now I'm leaving. But don't be worried. Stop grieving that I'm leaving. Consider what is about to happen. Consider the greatest transfer of power on the earth in human history is about to take place. And you worry that I might get crucified or that I won't come back. I'm about to do the great transfer. You've heard people talk about the great wealth transfer. This is the great God transfer. He says, I am about to go. And the only way I can reproduce myself in you a million times plus a million times all over the face of the earth is to let my Holy Spirit, which represents a part of the Godhead. Oh, Jesus. God three in one. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And that third aspect of God the triune God, he says, I'm about to transfer the power, the anointing, the glory, the majesty of everything you have seen in me. Everything that caused you to be a follower. Everything that excited every part of you to be a child of God. I am about to transfer all of that into you. And he says, you worried that I'm going. And so he says here in verse 7, verse 7 he says, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't go away, I can't do the transfer. If I don't go away, the transfer can't happen. You would forever be locked in geographically to see my power manifested. Come on, somebody. You ought to be shouting. Because in that day, the manifested, observable power of God was wherever they could follow him and watch him do this miracle and do that miracle and heal this one and heal that one. And now he is taking the limits of the geography of his power. Oh, my goodness. He's taking the limits of the geography of his power in terms of where you can see him, when you can see him, how you can observe him. And he's going to go back to the heavens and he's going to leave the vested part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, to come and live inside of you. Kingdom of God, come. kingdom of God come come in me Lord you want to break an addiction you want to break a habit you want to break an appetite you want to break a propensity towards leaning in a particular way have the kingdom of God manifested in you through the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit and he will be the one that will bring conviction. Oh, when you have him, you will learn how loud he speaks. Because when he wants to stop you, he says, Go, stop it. When he wants to intervene in your life, he will scream your name. Or maybe if you're really, really sensitive, he'll simply whisper. There's a difference. <laughs> I'm telling you, that'll preach. I'm, I ought to write a sermon on that. When the spirit screams, mm -hmm. yeah, I could fix something there. 
<laughs> as opposed to whispering. Whisper means he is within earshot. Oh my goodness. Mm. Uh. You can only hear a whisper due to proximity to the whisperer. <laughs> oh, this is so good. <laughs> no, really. When I get excited about my own message, this is good. I usually don't. <laughs> you could only hear a whisper when you are in proximity of the whisperer. He speaks softly and you hear him. When he has to shout, that is when conviction is now on steroids. Yo, stop! <laughs> stop! Don't do that! But why, Lord? Because I can't stay here with you. I can't live in this temple when you're doing that. You're bringing an ungodly, filthy stuff into my temple and we can't abide. I can't abide with you when you want to take yourself off to that place. I can't abide when you want to do that thing. I'm not part of it. I'm not a co-signer on that behavior. So there's one choice. You better give me permission to leave because if you don't, I will leave. Mm. And that's when we enter into what is God's permissive will. I'm getting ahead of myself. I don't want to. But there's God's corporate will. There's God's perfect will. And there's God's permissive will. Pastor, well, you talking about God's permissive will? Yeah, not that God have a secondary will called permissive will for you. No, when you violate his perfect will, you end up in a permissive place where he simply says, my hands are off, I guess I'll have to let you do what you're doing. That's God's permissive will. I wasn't designed by God as a second plan. That came about because you weren't following the first plan. So you end up in a place where God has said, okay, do whatever, because I can't stay here with you. So how do I dismiss the Holy Spirit? By simply ignoring the whisper and further ignoring the shout, which is known as conviction. And when I violate those things, I can't hear. I could do them so long that I become desensitized. Oh boy. I'm awfully quiet now. I could become desensitized to the Holy Spirit because of repeat bad behavior. I'm trying to search for an example. And the only one that comes to my mind real quick is my leg. From a previous injury and surgery and stuff like that, there's some damage to some nerve in my body. And so from here to right above my knee, I don't have feelings. I have muscular coordination because my brain still sends a message to my left leg to move and my right leg to follow. I, that works. But this, I could only see this. I could see what I'm doing. I have no feelings. So if you stuck me with a pin, blood may show up, but I won't even know. I am desensitized because of damage. Oh my goodness. Mm. I am desensitized because of damage. And I don't feel. Lord Jesus, help me this morning. And you could abuse the Holy Spirit until it becomes damaged. To when he, he touches or he speaks, you don't hear and you don't feel. And you know what the feeling is about? Convictions. You feel conviction. You don't feel conviction as a slap upside your head. You feel conviction. 
You follow me? Are you with me? You don't feel no more. Convictions could come all day long. You ain't feeling nothing. Therefore, there is no need to change your behavior. And that would lead to a total damage and impairment with respect to your sensitivity to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. And so some person who saw you acting like a Christian and believes that you're one, he comes to you or she comes to you and she says, what is the Lord saying to you? And, and, and you do this. I don't know. <laughs> I don't feel. <laughs> I don't hear nothing. Are you hearing me? I don't hear nothing. I don't feel nothing. But you look like you're moving. I am. My brain's still sending signal down there to move. But I ain't got no feelings. For this reason, I could walk into a hot plate, fire, sharp object. I have no sense of discerning pain or damage or awareness because this part is dead from injury. And get through this. <laughs> This is going to be a part two. I'm not getting through this. I, I can tell you right now. <laughs> I wrote 11 pages on note and I on page one. <laughs> We're not getting through this. So we'll have it as an ongoing series. How about that? Yes. Remember this series is entitled The Need to Pray. This is an element of understanding the need to pray. If you understand in the need to pray that there's a template as to how you should go about praying, that you should understand that I must first understand his name is holy. When I use the name of Jesus, there should be an awesomeness and a reverence and a godly fear when I say, Our Father. Or even better, as he said, my father, he is my father. Daddy, affectionately, Abba. He used that in the scripture. The word in the script, there's a word in the scripture that says Abba. You know what Abba means? Abba means daddy. It is father, but it's an affectionate term for the word father that means daddy. So there's a sense in which when I say Abba, father, daddy, daddy, not your pops, Abba, daddy, 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 hear me, hear me, hear your child. It's me, Lord, it's me. It's me, a voice crying in my wilderness. And I want this to be so intimate and so personal. I'm saying, Father, Daddy, Abba, please listen to my cry, listen to my call, listen to my voice. That's how you pray. He said, call me Father. Then ask for my kingdom which is the Holy Spirit. Then ask for my will. Not your will, his will. Okay, let's move on. When you pray, the first thing you should ask for is the Holy Ghost. It is something you should seek. Something you should desire. If you already have it, ask the Lord to renew it. Renew it every morning. Every day. Renew it. Kingdom of God, come. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. Great is thy faithfulness oh god my father there is no shadow of turning with thee 
as thou hast been, thou forever shalt be. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Renew it. Renew it. Daily renew it. Kingdom of God, come. Kingdom of God, come. He says, if you do this, everything will take care of itself. So let's break down a couple things. And I know we wouldn't get done, but we'll pick up from where I left. Leave off this week. Hopefully, just being obedient to the Holy Spirit. He says, everything will take care of itself, right? Yeah. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. You could bounce back up to Matthew chapter 6 and you'll see what I'm talking about, right? Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Will means one's determination or desire. It's different from the word shall, right? Shall is a contractual word. And wherever you see shall in the scripture, you could pretty much put your part on the fire. God is saying, this is what I'm going to do. Will has to do with one's determination and desire. I will or I will not. Or I will or maybe I won't. <laughs> it has to do with determination and desire. So he says, I'm asking for God's will. Asking for God's determination and God's desire to be done in my life, not mine. Because... You know, we kind of fickle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I might say something now, I'll do that for you. And I go outside and somebody else meet me and stare me another way and I forgot you. So my will just got sidetracked, right? Mm -hmm. But in this case, he say, when you pray, ask for my will. Ask for God's determination and God's desire to be done in your life. Kingdom of God, come. Come, come. Thy will be done. Your will be done in my life. Lord, Lord, it's not about me. I have gotten me in so much trouble. Yes. Anybody could identify with me this morning? Mm -hmm. I have gotten me in so much trouble. And the reason is because one, his spirit was not fully functional <laughs> with the capability to circumvent my desires and therefore I did what I wanted to do and it blew up in my face. And then God says, well, you know, I was whispering, you didn't hear me. I turned to shouting, you still didn't hear me. I even sent God wrenching conviction upon you and you thought I could live through that for the next five minutes. You'll stop talking. Because he's a gentleman. And I'm sure he perceives that you're probably going to go through with whatever you're going to go through. And he's saying, I can't coexist in that place. So, see you later. Bye. See ya. Don't want to be here. I'm heading out. And with his departure, you made some decisions. Quite frankly, some of us are still paying for it this day. A decision 20, 30, 40, 50, 10, 5, 2, 3 years. We made some decisions. Absence of the kingdom of God come and we're still paying for it and that is his permissive will because he still allow you in his will and his will ultimately is that all should be saved and come to repentance and none shall perish so for that reason for that reason you are in his permissive will you are still in his will that says I still long that none suffer and perish and that all come to repentance you're still in his will for that one reason. He wants to save you. <laughs> this is so good, I'm going to pat myself. <laughs> I like to be funny. Break up the tension in the room. You know? 
But are you getting the truth of the message? Huh? I end up in a place that I call his permissive will. Not what he wanted for me, but what he still wants for me. Inside of me messing up, what he still wants for me is that I'm saved. That I still have access to the throne. That I still have a way to say, I'm sorry, Lord. Take me back to my first love. Take me back. Bring me back into fellowship, Lord. I long for fellowship. I long to break bread with you, Lord. And so for that reason, I am in his will for the cause of salvation. But I'm suffering the consequences of his will because of being in his permissive will in that I didn't listen. I acted without a clear voice spurring me on to goodness and now I'm paying the price I'm paying the price for my mistakes that I dulled my senses to I was 14 years old and heading at a breakneck speed into becoming an alcoholic there was so much early childhood trauma and stuff going on in my life that the tender age of 13, 14, I had already developed the skill of how to consume alcohol ferociously. Remember getting in an accident because I was so absent of my surroundings. I told you the story before. I got on top of the trunk of the car, inside the car, and they were also so absent of their surroundings, they left with me outside the car, and I ended up in an intersection and caused severe damage to my body when the car flung me this way, and they went that way. Why am I saying that? Because I was using alcohol to dullen my senses, to quiet the voices. My mother was constantly praying for me every day. Save him, Lord. Save him, Lord. Save him, Lord. I got so angry one day. I got up and I ran over to her room and I choked her. She was praying on her knees and I'm choking her. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. And she's just looking at me while she's coughing. <coughs> and she's smiling. There was something about what she's saying that was annoying and irritating the life in me. And so here's what alcohol does to you. It may make you forget your problems, but it'll also make you forget your promises. There's so many things I said and we said in those times of dulled senses that we were alleviated from the present problems. We smoked, we drank, we did whatever to dull our senses. And so our problems are somehow removed. But in the removing of our problems, there's a flip side to problems and it's called promises. My promises are forgotten as, 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 as the same speed that my, my problems were desensitized. That's what drugs and alcohol will do to you. Soften your problems and mute your promises. So I have the need to reflect on those days many, many years ago when I did stupid things. Stupid, 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 stupid things that at age 60 something I still have to walk through. I still have to walk through some issues in my life. See, some things, this is why we need to pray. <laughs> some things we have to learn, there will be no quick fix. A quick fix is a presupposition, easy come, easy go. It costs you nothing, so you lose it at the same speed you got it. There are some things you have to pray through. Day by day, week by week, month by month, you have to pray through some things. 
kingdom of God come and by the habit and practice of inviting the kingdom of God to come into my heart it becomes character it takes it takes about three days literally to form a habit you doubt me go ask somebody who's been using crack and ask them how long it took them to get hooked for many of them it was the first time and they were hooked takes about three days to form a habit it takes about three weeks to create an attitude it takes about three months to form a character so follow me this simple mathematical formula three days habit three days attitude I mean sorry three weeks attitude Three months, character. And in three years, just imagine it happened at birth. And in three years, personality. You were born with a temperament. Life creates a personality out of you. Through that simple formula. <laughs> Three and three and three will create a personality. Huh? Three days to start a habit. Three weeks for that habit to turn into an attitude. And you know attitude, don't you? Three months turn into character keep that lifestyle up and in three years you have a personality that's been cultivated because with every one of you that was born into this world God put a temperament inside you that temperament is shaped over a period of time and who you are today is because of a temperament that's been cultured with habit and attitude and it's now a personality oh man I think I'm gonna finish there what should I see it's 1107. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me see if I want to say anything else. Yeah, probably a clean cut right there. <laughs> Go back to Matthew 6. Lord's Prayer. Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Just walk back through that and I'll close up and next week I'll pick up from there and take you through all the stages of this prayer. That's what I want to do. I want to take you through the anatomy of the template. There was an anatomy of this template. And so that's what I want to take you through. How do I pray when I pray? right after this manner based on this template this is how you ought to pray our father who art in heaven holy is your name holy is your name Your kingdom come. Your indwelling Holy Spirit. The true reflection of the full Godhead with all its power and all its glory and all its potential. The true reflection of the entire Godhead. The kingdom of God. Pray, kingdom of God. Come. Holy Spirit. Come in me. Be my God keeper. Come in me. Your will be done. 
your determination and your desires be done in me. It says in earth. So it's not a broad geographical concept of earth. The word literally translates in the Greek, earthen vessel. <laughs> so when it says, your kingdom come in earth, don't confuse that with America and Australia and New Zealand and all the places around the earth. The word literally means from the Greek translation, your kingdom come in this earthen vessel. Your kingdom come in earth. Okay? That will be important for you to understand that. Lest you construe this as a big generalized statement. He's being very specific. Kingdom of God, come. Will of God, be done in here. This earthen vessel, this clay pot, come in here. Give us this day. These are the anatomy of this prayer. And next week I'll go into all that. Give us this day or daily bread. And I kind of touch on it a little bit. You know, stop asking for 10, 5, 15, 20 months out. <laughs> the Holy Spirit who monitors me and communicates with the Father is ahead of me. He knows my Sabbath is coming. <laughs> yeah. He knows my Sabbath is coming. And so just before my Sabbath, He's going to lay down provisions that will carry me through my Sabbath. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that is so good. He's going to lay down provisions that will carry me through my Sabbath. Two days supply. <laughs> it's for you to understand that he supplies all my needs according to his riches in glory and appropriately and apportioned so he knows what I need he probably just wanted to see if I know what I need so I have to say it. I have to make known what he already knows if you don't know how to pray plan on losing weight spiritual weight because you're going to become lean and dry up. There'll be no spiritual substance if you don't know how to pray or if you don't pray. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debts and lead us not in temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is a kingdom, for yours is a kingdom, for yours is a kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And that word amen, I'll save it for next week. But that word is so powerful. That word, amen. He says, pray in this manner. When you get done, say, I agree with you, Lord. Or as you have come to know, amen. <laughs> some of y'all got that. Some of y'all probably didn't get it. He says, when you get done with the template, when you get done with the pattern, I want you to say these words. I agree with you. Or as I've just read Amen. I agree with you, Lord. Okay, that's it. I'm done. I'm done. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Your generous contributions have allowed me to study this word. <laughs> and then present it to you. So let's stand. And then, where's Randy at? I'm going to be Randy for a moment. Huh? Oh, okay. All right. So we have to wrap up. I, I strongly encourage you to give God your best if you want God's best. Sow a seed so that he could meet you in your need. Maybe you've written your check already. Maybe you might want to think about sowing a seed to God for something specific. For example, you could literally sow a need, sow a seed to God to make you more diligent. Lord, I am putting my money where my mouth is. I want special attention in the area of diligence in my prayer life. Create, Lord, oh God, such an overwhelming persuasive power of your spirit that I keep my prayer life intact. We need 
to pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I give you thanks for your word, Lord God. It will not return unto you void. Lord, I trust that all that I've said today, that it was truth. For we believe in biblical truth. And so I pray that this word was truth, absolute truth to the hearts and air that heard you this morning. And that we have committed in our spirit to apply this truth. Our Father which art in heaven, holy is thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as it is in heaven and so on earth. In this vessel, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses. And lead us not into temptation. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, Lord God. Father, create heaven in me through your kingdom through your Holy Spirit, Lord. I crave your Holy Spirit in my life. So let it be. Amen. 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 They're going to take offering right now. Yeah. And then I'll pronounce the blessing after that. I get to be Randy. Randy's cooking y'all some delicious food right now. He wanted it to be fresh uh, for you guys. See, if I know that, I would have preached till he come back. Doggone it. But while, while Pastor was, was talking, um, the Holy Spirit was, was speaking to me so strongly because of the things that you've been saying the past few weeks. And it, it gave me just such a clarity. Um, and he brought Matthew 6.33 to mind. It, what kingdom. you said just um, gave new meaning to seek ye first the kingdom of God. So when you're praying and you're seeking the kingdom of God, you're seeking the Holy Spirit and you're telling the Holy Spirit, come be within me. And he's saying, look, I'm going to give you everything you need if you would seek me first. Just seek me first and I'm going to take care of every need that you have every day. You don't have to worry. That's your daily bread. You don't have to worry about anything. And this is important because pastor's having us write our names down. Yes. He's having us pray for everybody. But before you pray this week for the person, the name that you pull, pray first that the Holy Spirit would come and be within you. Ask him to come inside you and not only lead you for yourself, but for the person that you're praying for. Because in order for him I'll, to release... I'll cover that the next week, but that is specific to my message. I'll cover it amen. next week. To release what you want in your life, be selfless and release it into somebody else. Sometimes we pray and we're so busy praying for our needs and God is saying, look, you just seek me and what I want to do in your life and you spread what I have for you to other people. I will take care of you. You don't even have to worry about you. I already got you. He already has you. So this thing that pastor is having us do is so that the Lord can...